This week on Priority One, we're joined by guest host, Star Trek Online's community manager, Mike Ambassador Kale Fatum, to chat about Star Trek Online's 10th anniversary. Star Trek gets some Super Bowl love, Will Wheaton invites us into the ready room, and in On Screen, we're setting up for an adventure with Star Trek Picard, Maps, and Legends. And of course, we can't sign off without sharing your incoming messages. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by GamePrint. We thank them and our patrons for their support of Priority One Podcast. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 447 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, your weekly report of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded live on Tuesday, February 4th, 2020, and available for download or streaming on Friday, February 7th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. And I'm Kat. And I'll form the head. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Captains, Anthony is out this week, but as you heard, joining us is Star Trek Online's community manager, Mike Ambassador Kale Fatum. Mike, thank you so very much for joining us this week. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. It's it's always great to have you fill in as a guest, so, so thank you for always being willing to do so. Before we jump into the news, we want to invite you to join in on the weekly conversations, whether via social media platforms like facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, on Twitter or Instagram at Priority One Pod, or by email to incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. Captains, this is the part of the show where we ask for money. At gunpoint. This is a whole, this is a stick up. Give us your money. <laughs> uh, Mr. Mr. Fatum does not speak on behalf of Priority One Podcast, <laughs> but I will say this, that producing a show is unfortunately not free. And as awkward as it is to ask for your hard-earned money, we do offer some interesting perks to you if you decide you want to become a monthly supporter of Priority One. Just head on over to patreon.com forward slash Priority One to find out about those perks, including an entirely exclusive episode of Priority One titled After Hours, where we essentially talk about all that's happening in the Star Trek multiverse, unscripted and unedited. Things do get colorful. So if you are interested, again, visit us over at patreon.com forward slash Priority One. But if you cannot offer a financial contribution, there's another great way you can support the show, and that's by sharing it with your friends on social media. Whenever you see this episode, be sure to hit that retweet button or share it and let your fellow Trekkies know that they can get their weekly roundup of news right here on Priority One. Now, let's trek out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Will Wheaton has traveled a long way from his days on Star Trek The Next Generation. He has become a successful writer, 
a sought-after audiobook narrator, a podcast and web series host, and returned to television as himself in The Big Bang Theory. Now, the release of Star Trek Picard sees Wheaton finally return to TV screens for Star Trek. No, he's not appearing as a character in the series or reprising his role. No, it's true. Not yet, anyway. Instead, he's been tapped to host the after show, The Ready Room. He sat down to chat recently on a number of topics with Wired.com's podcast, The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. Among those subjects was, of course, his place on the ready room. Asked what he thought makes an after show like this work, Wheaton offered, quote, What I'm trying to do is be the person inside the room for all of the nerds out in the audience. Because until I was in the room, I was a nerd out in the audience, end quote. He wanted to bring up the questions that would have been asked by fellow nerds. On the subject of watching Star Trek at home, Will says that his wife Anne was definitely not a Star Trek fan. Though he concedes, quote, I imagine the experience of watching The Next Generation with me is not the best experience because I talk through the whole thing because everything triggers a memory, end quote. That actually sounds like the best experience watching The Next Generation. Can, can I have that experience, please? Right. Can we watch <laughs> with Will Wheaton? Yes, let's watch with him, please. Anne is a wonderful person. Uh, I don't want to replace her in any way, except in that instance, I would like to replace her very much. (laughs) Well, however, the couple have watched every episode of Star Trek Picard, and Will was surprised to find out that, quote, she is crazy about it. She loves Picard in a way that I didn't think was possible, end quote. That reaction from his wife has given Wheaton hope that Picard may bring together lots of other couples where one spouse is the nerd and the other is the muggle, as he says. He says, not us. (laughs) I also wouldn't call his wife a muggle, but you know, that's up to him. (laughs) Captains, you can catch The Ready Room every week on Facebook Live following the release of new episodes of Star Trek Picard. Speaking of after our shows and post-show things. Um, We've seen a few iterations of this happening, right? Well, we saw uh, with Star Trek Discovery having its own thing, and then later on, season two. Did anybody we know appear on that show? Some dude. Just some guy, (laughs) Elijah. Yeah. Oh, Matt Matt Myra was... Oh, yeah, you were on (laughs) that show? I I mean, I don't know. It was some nerd in a Star Trek Online uniform. (laughs) Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that season one. Uh, yeah, it was cool. But yeah, we've seen Matt Myra do one. We saw then uh, another host come in. I believe she was from IGN. And now we have Will Wheaton. And I, I don't know. I think, I think I like it with Will Wheaton because he's so connected to Star Trek, right? Well, he's like the perfect bridge between like, he's connected to Star Trek, but he's also a quote unquote one of us. Like he's right. the, he as he described himself, the giant nerd in the room. You know, he's the guy who who would be watching this show anyway. Um, and so I think I think that's a great bridge. I have both having the experience of being on Star Trek and also like being a huge fan of Star Trek. There are, I don't think many people who fit into both those categories. Kat, have you watched much of The Ready Room? I watched the first one, but I couldn't find it for the last episode. But the first one was great. And uh, I say Will Wheaton has excellent uh, fashion sense and his shoes were so cool. <laughs> I just kept looking at his shoes. But, you know, his inter- he did, you know, a great job. And he did ask the questions that, uh, that came up to me. So I was like, this is fantastic. I wanted to know that too. And what's nice is that it sounds like he's listening Listening, and then he reacts by listening. Whereas past hosts tended not to do that. They tended not to give a proper follow-up question. It was just like that awkward, <laughs> which we here at Priority One are 
are we can we've had that happen. Every everybody does that. Everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. But years of years of interviewing experience, and I still interview people and go, "Oh, that's cool." So here's a segue to my next question. <laughs> so yeah, he seems right in place. And Kat, you bring up a good point about watching uh, where to watch it. So uh, you can definitely catch it on CBS All Access. Which, if you haven't already subscribed, please, please, please be sure to use our affiliate link at priority1podcast.com forward slash CBS and sign up using our affiliate link. But The Ready Room is also made available on YouTube. So you can catch that over on CBS All Access's YouTube channel. Uh, we'll have links in the show notes. Which actually, their YouTube channel has been pretty great since Picard launched. Like, they just put out a feature on the uh, the Borg Cube uh, and, like, what the, the situation is with it, filling in a bunch of details there. And they had a bunch of other stuff, too, that I was like, oh, wow, thank you for putting that together. I really appreciate it. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. I'm going to check it out. This Sunday evening, 102 million viewers sat down to watch the USS Enterprise warp onto their television. They might say that's what they were sitting down to watch for something else, but we all know they really sat down for the Enterprise. And thanks to a typically big-budget Super Bowl commercial from retailer Walmart, that's exactly what those 102 million viewers got to see. Uh, The one-minute spot opens in an orbit above Earth. With the distinctive new warp sound effect from Star Trek Discovery, the show's new USS Enterprise appears on screen. From there, the commercial parades through a who's who of sci-fi franchises, the Lego Movie, Flash Gordon, Men in Black, Bill and Ted, Mars Attacks, Arrival, Blade Runner, Marvin the Martian, and even Star Wars. In another shot, with the Enterprise hanging in the sky, two store employees laden with shopping bags are beamed out to deliver their goods, and we never see them return, so they were actually eaten on the ship. That's that's how that works. They're replicator food now. And, in a follow-up bit of viral marketing, the company invited social media users to engage to see another short scene. In this one, a Walmart employee beams back to the store with a rapidly overflowing bag of tribbles before pleading with people to adopt the tribbles. Aside from being a bit of Trek-related fun in the Super Bowl advertising, this must be considered a remarkably high-profile splash for CBS's ever-active promotions team. How many viewers in 102 million might have seen this and thought, wow, that Enterprise looks amazing. I should watch the new show. This is actually, this is pretty interesting. I mean, I know it was in a Walmart ad with a whole bunch of other franchises, but I kind of got that cool sense from these Walmart commercials like I did watching and reading Ready Player One. Like, it was just a lot of nerdy goodness. The one that really knocked my socks off, honestly, was Arrival. Yeah. Like, everything else, I was like, okay, yeah, I can see somebody who's, um, like, not a nerd, but, a he, but like, an ad writer being like, oh, we need to get, like, Guardians of the Galaxy and Star Wars and Star Trek. But friggin' pulling in Arrival for that, I'm just like, okay, somebody who was a giant nerd wrote this commercial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, that was good marketing. It was. was good marketing. It was good. According to a recent press release from Viacom CBS, Star Trek Picard, along with the Grammy Awards live stream, drove CBS All Access to a new record for subscriber signups in a single month. Not only that, but Picard's premiere set a high new watermark for the streaming service's record of total streams. The previous record was set back in 2017 by the series' premiere of another Star Trek show, Star Trek Discovery. Without sharing specific viewership data, CBS has announced that Picard drove subscriber volume up by over 115% and reached more than 180% of the record set by Discovery. Speaking in the press release, Mark Debevoix, president and CEO of CBS Interactive, said, quote, We've seen tremendous continued growth in the service and the new records we've experienced due to Star Trek Picard, the Grammys, and a fantastic season of football are a phenomenal way to kick off what will be a fantastic year for CBS All Access, end quote. 
On the back of the show's strong performance, CBS All Access has now released the first episode, Remembrance, to view completely free on the streaming services website or mobile application. If you haven't pulled the trigger on a subscription yet, this is your chance to get a glimpse of the show. By using our affiliate link, priorityonepodcast.com forward slash CBS. Good for CBS All Access. I mean, I don't, you know, they had set goals for subscriptions back in 2016 prior to Discovery. And then throughout Discovery, they shared some of those goals. I'm subscribing because of Picard, but that's just about it. And I happen to have liked the Twilight Zone reboot that they did. But beyond that, there's not much else that I watch on on that platform. Plus, it's a, it's still a little clunky in some of the in some of the distribution services. You know, it's okay on Roku, but on web, it can be a little clunky. Uh, also, if there's heavy server load, which there was that day of uh, the premiere for Star Trek Picard, uh, there was quite a bit of buffering, and it was not streaming at the highest definition it could have. So, yeah, but, you know, this is a sign that that Picard's bringing in money, which means that hopefully they'll reinvest that money into more productions of Star Trek related things. Yeah. Well, they've only got, you know, 15 Star Trek shows in the pipeline now. I think I think it's one of those things. A lot of people are like, well, they won't give us the real numbers. You know, it's just a it's just a press release. But if Discovery hadn't done amazing, they wouldn't have greenlit Picard Section 31 Lower Decks. And I think. There's one other that I'm forgetting. And the fact that Picard is doing this well, I think, will lead to them greenlighting another five Star Trek shows. Because I think they've realized a number of people subscribe for when the show is on the air and then unsubscribe for when the show is not on the air. And so I think the plan may be to just never not have Star Trek on the air. I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, why not? (laughs) I'm okay with that. Yeah, I read that they were going to start filming Section 31 as soon as uh, Discovery wraps. Which supposedly takes place back in the Season 1 Discovery era, so I'm curious to see how they get Michelle Yeoh back from the future. Yeah, well, my guess is it's probably going to be some kind of prequel thing. After she comes to Discovery and then the time between when she starts serving for Section 31? Yeah, I guess, yeah, would, I guess it would have to be that short time, right? It was, what, a year or something? Yeah, that's like a yeah. month or two. Or they do some shenanigans and there's a temporal portal or they go around the sun really fast. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huh. The lovely thing about Star Trek science is that while it's all based in very real science, there's also a lot of you can just go hand wavy space magic and call it a day. <laughs> and people will write whole books about how your space magic works. Or doesn't. Well, no, they'll write, they'll write books about how it works. They'll record YouTube videos about how it doesn't work. <laughs> that is truth. That is truth. Well, captains, that's all the news that we have to trek out this week. Now, let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer, status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Captains, before we move on to Star Trek Online news, we do need to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Mixed Dimensions. Now... Mike, you've seen these 3D printed ships up close and personal. I, I have. I have one proudly on my desk. What do you have? The uh, Jem'Hadar carrier uh, from the Lobi store, whose class name I have completely forgotten, um, but with a, uh, a Riemann shield on it. So it's got all these really cool mixing colors on it. It's it's super, super good looking. Did you have that one custom painted uh, or did you have it 3D painted? I had it custom painted. Nice, nice, nice. I do remember you sharing those pictures on your social media accounts when you, when you first received 
received it. What are your overall impressions of Game Print's quality? I mean, you guys have obviously a great partnership with them. What is the buzz around the office with Game Print's and Mixed Dimensions quality of their products? Um, I think Game Print has been a fantastic partner for Star Trek Online, and I think their work really speaks for itself. Um, we shared all the ships as they come in, as uh, Thomas and Rakosa and I and Mac and everyone has had their ships uh, 3D printed and delivered. It's a really, really cool feeling to take the ship that you've been flying forever and put it into a real physical object that you can hold in your hands. But on top of that, like now, as you, I'm, I'm sure you're going to mention in a bit, they've added that marketplace. So like if there's a ship that you want that you don't necessarily own uh, and somebody's already uploaded it for 3D printing somewhere, you can get that printed out on your desk right now. Um, so that's kind of amazing. It's, it's a really, really cool service. Right. And the best thing about that library of ships is that you can completely rename the registry number and the name of the ship itself. So let's say you find a design that you like, but you don't play Star Trek online. You can have that ship printed with your custom name and registry for that ship, which is a, a great addition. As a matter of fact, it's recommended that even if you do upload your ship, that you go into the editor on the website and still rename it to the name that you want because of the way that the ship is printed from the game. Um, so that's a little handy tip for you there, Captains, if you are in fact interested in getting one of your ships 3D printed. Well, with options starting at $19.99 for a four inch color print and the re introduction of their hand-painted models, there's no reason why you shouldn't just add a unique starship to your collection. Customized just for you. Captains, don't let deciding on which ship hold you back from 3D printing a new fleet of ships for you to display proudly in your home, office, or wherever you showcase your Star Trek memorabilia. And don't forget, with their newly designed website, you can explore the gallery, choose a ship that you may already enjoy, and just rename it to whatever you'd like. Just visit GamePrint.net and start building your fleet today. And we thank Mixed Dimensions for their support of this podcast. Captains, what better way to talk about Star Trek Online than with none other than the game's community manager, Mike, Ambassador Kale Fatum. Thank you again for joining us this week. Of course. Let's talk about the 10th anniversary, man. It's 10 years of Star Trek Online. It's been amazing. Um, the uh, response from the fans has been um, ecstatic, and I'm really happy to see it because, you know, the team worked so hard on getting this anniversary right and finding a way to tell a story that both throws back to our love of the last 10 years of the game and our love of all of Star Trek, and while still tying into, you know, the future of uh, what's going on in Star Trek now by having, you know, Michael Burnham and uh, Seven of Nine, the Picard version of Seven of Nine, uh, back in the game. Um, so I'm really, really excited. I, I think it's a spoilers, by the way, uh, but I think it's a it's such a uniquely Star Trek Online thing to do to go to the deepest of cuts with Excalbia to tell this story. And I love, love, love that we did that. Let's let's talk about leading up to the 10th anniversary. So leading up to the 10th anniversary, you, you you got creative, you know, with the with the website and doing a lot of these augmented reality games. Talk to us a little bit about that and, and where that stemmed from and uh, will we be seeing more? Uh, I hope so. Uh, so what happened was basically um, we've noticed that when we announce something huge, like say um, when uh, 
uh, LeVar Burton was joining the game that will get like a bump on news and stuff like that. Like Nerdist will pick it up or io9 will pick it up. Somebody will. But it'll be, we do the announcement, you know, two weeks before the game update. So people will say, oh, that's cool. LeVar Burton's coming back. I'll try to remember to check out that game in two weeks and then it's gone because other things have happened. This time, the marketing folks at Perfect World, um, who are very smart people, decided we were going to, for the anniversary, not announce our major story and our cast members until the day we launched so that what people would see it and get picked up by the media and then you could immediately go and play the game which i thought was a really cool idea but it left me without my usual hype engine for the players who are currently playing the game you know i could i could talk about stuff like the you know to hell with honor and things like that but there was no way to talk about the actual story and so i got permission to tease it and i got permission to tease um Lincoln's involvement. Um, that was actually at the end of a long process. We knew what the story was early on, and the first thing I pitched was um, trying to get Denise Crosby in. Like you're getting intel from Sela while she's in the, um, the while she's in Federation custody and being interrogated, and that leads you to Excalbia. Um, that ended up not working out. We went up. We went through a few other iterations. Um, we were going to try and get JG Hertzler, and then we were going to try and use Kagrin uh, from um, earlier in Star Trek Online, the Klingon intelligence officer. And then very suddenly, Al just said, "Why don't you do Lincoln?" And I said, "Oh, oh, oh." which was a super amazing experience. I, I wrote, you know, three or four things of dialogue for him that then our, our audio guy extraordinaire, Michael Henry, uh, got the actor for Lincoln to come in and record um, and did all of the, you know, audio love on them so certain parts of them would be, you know, censored out and stuff like that. And then I had to get down to actually designing puzzles to reveal all this amazing audio that I'd come up with, which was... I can't design a puzzle hard enough for Star Trek fans. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the only thing that ever stumped them was when the puzzle was broken. Right. <laughs> the last set of puzzles, people smashed through in like 15 minutes to get to the reveal. <laughs> it was kind of amazing to watch. Well, now everybody's clamoring for a Lincoln boff or at least his hat. At least his hat? Hat would be so good. Well, okay. You could have his hat <laughs> and the rest awesome. of his outfit. Oh my god, that would be amazing. I can't tell you when, and I can't tell you how, because we don't know yet. But yes, that's happening. So, Mike, how's the 10 Forward live stream on Twitch and YouTube going for you guys? You know, it's pretty good. My initial stated goal of putting Priority One out of business uh, hasn't quite occurred yet. <laughs> but, uh, no, sorry. That's not, what? It's, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm saying it. I'm saying it out loud now. I'm just going to put it out It was an inside there. joke. When I first announced the weekly streams, uh, uh, it was right near... Near STLV and, and uh, Elijah came up to me and very nicely was like, "Please don't put us out of business." <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's great. It's um, a really fun way to connect with people. It's a direct conversation with our fans. We get you know the developers in and they get to talk a little more about what they were thinking. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite parts of the week. I really genuinely enjoy doing it. It's super fun to watch. I love Jet. She's great. She's great. She's become, I think, the most popular guest very quickly. She's fantastic. <laughs> well, last week we talked about the upcoming 10th anniversary legendary Starship bundle priced at 30,000 or 45,000 Zen. A mega pack 
This week, four new ships were announced. The Verity-class Odyssey Command Dreadnought Cruiser, the Miracle Worker Post-Nemesis Sovereign Refit Assault Cruiser, the Columbia-class NX Temporal Escort, and the Kelvin Timeline Constitution Refit Intel Battle Cruiser. Now, Mike, why don't you give us a quick rundown of these four newly announced starships? Yeah, sure. Uh, but these are four new ships that have joined the bundle. There's the um, uh, the Odyssey, the Sovereign, the NX, and the Kelvin Timeline Constitution. Uh, all four of them are uh, ships with totally new stats and wildly new, exciting um, costumes that Thomas has made for these ships, and including all of the consoles and traits for each of the ships, including a brand new account unlocked starship trait uh, for each one. There's a lot of stuff that comes with each of them. Um, I know the uh, the pilot maneuvers defiant from last week was one of the most requested ships we've ever had. A lot of these are um, just interesting remakes of the ships too. Um, one of my friends was saying they weren't super excited about getting another sovereign until they saw the stats on that ship and decided it was going to be their new tank. So uh, you know, it's it's good stuff. Talking about the the differences between these ships and existing ships, we're talking of not only just new skins, but we're talking new consoles new powers, new setups and configurations, right? We are, yeah. So they all come with um, new seating, um, sometimes new weapon layouts. I think the Sovereign is a 4-4 instead of a 5-3 now. You know, like I said, all of the traits and all of the consoles that have come with these ships previously and a brand new trait for each one. There has been some controversy regarding the announcement of the pack, you know, that sticker shock price. We talked a little bit about it last week. Before we talk more about the pack, I kind of want to discuss the marketing method for the new bundle. You know, one question I posed last week was, why announce the price before, you know, listing all the items, for instance? I always knew I wanted to announce this bundle um, originally, it was going to be one at a time. It moved to two at a time because um, uh, we needed to have all the skins ready and they wouldn't be ready to do it one at a time uh, up to the release. I always wanted, knew I wanted to do that. I wanted to to spread out this announcement to get people the most time to be excited about each of these ships because it's not, you know, something this big. You don't want to just dump it on everybody. It's like one blog and done. It's, overwhel it's an overwhelming amount of information. I also didn't want to spend then two and a half weeks saying, here's all the ships in the bundle, and then at the very end say, and here's the price. And it's way higher than you probably expected, because we knew it was higher than people probably expected. Uh, and I knew that was going to be a consideration for a lot of people. And so I think when you're putting out something like this, it's much more fair and much more... It, it leads to a more truthful conversation if people know what they're getting into right from the start. And so I, I specifically asked Andre um, and got his permission fairly readily to be able to announce not just the the announced price, but also the sale price for these ships, um, because they're going to be down to, I think, 195000 and 293000 I think, for the Mega Pack um, when they first launch. Uh, so that's actually about a 35% discount, I think, on each of them. But I wanted to make sure people knew that stuff up front, because I know those purchasing decisions, we didn't want it to be a snap decision for people. We wanted people to be able to look at everything that's in this bundle and make an informed decision on whether they wanted to purchase it or not. So you said that the you know, the ships that are going to be released in the bundle have new seating, new uh, consoles and things like that. But what about the Lobby, Lockbox, and promo versions of those ships? Are they going to outperform the bundle counterparts? So that's kind of a subjective thing. Like People will have different answers to that question depending on how the stats work. Um, I know Jet 
worked really hard to make these ships good, but not game-breaking good and not invalidating your previous purchases good. Uh, so, but in terms of whether they're better or whether they outperform, that's kind of up to you guys to look at and decide as you play with these ships. And what about the visuals? Will they be made available to players that own the previous versions? Uh, not at this time. Those are those are unique to the pack. Spe- and speaking of, of not at this time, right, one of the, the big questions that people have been asking, you know, because it is one of the most expensive bundles in the game, I think really the only thing as expensive as a lifetime membership, is there any opportunity for independent individual bundle sales of these ships on their own, something like that, that people can kind of pick and choose what they want. Not right now, as I said on the Nighthawk live stream that led to the giant red comment right now. Um, this bundle is going to launch as is, um, and if you would like the ships in it, you could purchase them in the bundle. And that doesn't mean we'll never release them on an individual basis. I think there's lots of opportunity to do that in the future, but I also don't know of any specific plans we have to do that in the future. So I think... If you really want these ships, and if you really want everything in the bundle, it's an awesome deal, and I wouldn't wait for them to be released piecemeal to buy it. If you only want one or two ships, I mean, that's up to you. I think you could conceivably wait, but I don't want to promise that there's ever going to be a a ships released individually, because I don't know. Um, Those plans have not solidified one way or another yet. Right now, we're focused on getting the bundle out to people and having it be uh, super exciting. I, I don't want to pigeonhole you in any in any way. Um, this may end up even being a question for, for someone like Andre, for instance. We've noticed that, you know, like in the last couple of packs, they, like the Picard pack, for instance, they seem geared towards newer players, right? Players that haven't spent 10 years in the game, for instance. I mean, that's an understandable marketing decision. I mean, you want to get new blood in the game and you want people who haven't played for the last 10 years to either catch up or not feel like they have 10 years of catching up to do, right? You don't want that that barrier to entry or that learning curve. I think that some players feel a little bit, some of the existing players, the 10-year-old players, feel a little bit as if though a pack like this leaves them out. Is that something that is, you know, in your mind, in the producer's mind, in the EP's mind about making sure that existing players feel like they can invest in the game in some way. So it's always something that's in our mind, and I think it's the prominent thing in our mind. I think the Picard bundle, you're right on the money, and that was our intention. Um, The Picard bundle was, while it was designed to have some things that veteran players may not have, like the Mirrodorn ship, it was, I think, mostly aimed at the idea of if there's somebody who watched Picard and decided they wanted to try out our game because they're a huge fan of Jean-Luc Picard, they could buy a bundle that has all of this Picard-related stuff in it right away. The thing with the the Legendary bundle is that it's not... I don't think it's as aimed as new players as people are saying. I know some people are saying, oh, we already own these ships, but they actually don't because these ships are all completely remade. And in addition to like the new skins and stuff like that, a lot of them have stats that are uh, much more exciting or different than the, sh- the ships that you know previously were available in the Sea Store or in the case of the Kelvin timeline Connie uh, in lockbox ships. So it's not about asking people to buy stuff twice. It's about offering a new version of ships that they love that they can then purchase if they want. Anything else you'd like to add about the bundle or address any community concerns? Stay tuned. Uh, There's more cool stuff coming. We're saving the best for a surprise for last. Uh, Although, you know, some people don't think it's a surprise, but we're saving the best surprise for last. (laughs) Actually, you know what? Speaking of surprises, because I was there, the trailer 
for an STOV had the jellyfish. What happened to the jellyfish in the in the big hero moment of the episode? <laughs> uh, so the jellyfish wasn't in the big hero moment. That actually was a special cutscene that Weston made for STLV. Uh. Um, I when I was asking for a cutscene to show off all of these ships to tease that moment in measure of morality that everyone was so excited for. I specifically asked for the jellyfish because I wanted to tease the jellyfish and because I couldn't get out of my head the image of this smaller ship flying and doing circles throughout all of the like the big gar- gargantuan hero ships. I just thought it would be a, such a really cool visual. And so that's why that ship was there as kind of your gateway into seeing all of these ships together for the first time. Have you guys played the episodes? Yes. Oh, yeah. How freaking cool is that moment? Like, I'd heard about it in meetings for a while, and when I finally got to sit down and play it, I was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> so, Kat, we didn't, you know, you weren't here last week, and we, we talked quite a bit about the 10th anniversary. You've, you've played both, I presume, and, and what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on them? Loved them. So good. I would know. I was like several moments like, what? Oh my God. <laughs> there was a guy on uh, Twitch who posted his reaction video to seeing all of the, the hero ships with their captains show up. And it was just amazing just to hear the, the, the higher and higher pitched screechings happening. <laughs> <laughs> that happened to me too. <laughs> then it's like a dog whistle at the end, yeah. you know. So. <laughs> Your dogs are just trying to burst out the door. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, they were so good. Oh man, they were great. I know that that there's a big team that works behind all these things. Um, can you tell us a little bit who the key players were in producing the missions and the new TFO? Like who who the writer was, who the content designer was? Yeah, sure. So the missions, it's funny. We actually, the missions were really everybody. Um, the whole team touched something on it. I think the uh, a lot of the content design was done by Ryan Levitt, but I know Paul wrote all of the dialogue, our writer. I know Jesse Heinig um, was uh, a pinch hitter for a lot of that stuff. Uh, John Hegner designed the TFO uh, to Hell with Honor and did an amazing job with that. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Scott and Nick and David and the whole environment team were were pinch hitting to get all of the old environments looking good again and getting Excalibur built. Weston was working double overtime to try and get the all those cutscenes looking as good as we wanted them to be. The character artists were working their fingers to the bone, making sure that not only that Abe Lincoln looked good, but that, uh, you know, Seven of Nine and uh, Michael Burnham were up to the quality you'd expect. I love, by the way, um, Ian Castaneda's redesign on the Excalbians. He captured such a, like, a good meld between the original kind of cheesy Excalbian from the original series and, like, a future kind of Star Trek Online aesthetic. I, I love how that guy looks. He's really cool looking. Yeah, and, and I gotta give it to the writing, too, because, um, you know, it was it was witty. You know, there was a wit to it that I really appreciated. I mean, the, you know, seven yelling Seven's at control. Yeah. Just so good. You, 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 know. you, give, you give Paul a runway to go, and he will get you, like, he's done a lot of just incredible stuff in missions that didn't necessarily like you know a lesser writer than paul might have done not that witty dialogue for seven or not like you know in renegades regret built um the amazing relationship between all of the members of that strike team uh, so that you would care about them when they were when they didn't make it off the planet like he does such a good job taking what he's given and making it just taking it from you know like gold to platinum uh, it's it's amazing. You know, actually, now that I think of it, did he have a chance to watch several episodes of Picard or something? Because we still haven't seen Jerry Ryan on screen. We saw her in a trailer, of course, but 
this seemed really established for a character that hasn't even seen screen time yet. I think he went to the premiere, um, but I don't think he saw any episodes early. Did you get a chance to sit with, you know, the recording session with Jerry Ryan and whatnot? Did she offer? I didn't, unfortunately. Um, she, they were both, uh, they both recorded from L.A. I think LA, actually, um, Sonequa might have been up in Canada um, filming at that point. Um, but they both recorded remotely. I know Paul and Scott sat in and helped direct them, but. And that TFO is pretty good. Kat, have you had a chance to try the? The TFO? Yes, I love that TFO. I take my D4 in there like you did, Mike, when you did the thing. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so, so good. And the music is so good. It's so good. Uh, the, it sort of started as a joke. Like, we were like, Michael Henry, can you write a Klingon version of Ride of the Valkyries? And he was like, hold my beard, watch this. Uh, <laughs> that's a talented musician. Yeah. And, of course, you know, there's a incredibly talented Klingon opera singer on that track. <laughs> Is that you? That's me, yeah. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, that's me. Are so you I, really? I haven't heard it. So oh, I, my God. I, I keep seeing, I, so I keep seeing the people talking about the Valkyrie thing, and I keep playing the mission with the music off, and I now, well, now especially, no. I'm going to <laughs> listen to you singing Klingon opera. Interesting. Yeah. It's great. It was, uh, yeah, he brought me into the recording studio because I'd said, oh, if you need a Klingon singer for this track. And he was like, hey, um, you know, here, let me play the original version of The Ride of the Valkyries. We're just going to do this kind of bit the soprano does, but, you know, in a Klingon voice. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Okay. That's amazing. It was super fun. And how do you not watch with the music on? That's the best part. Because it dep- it dep- it's, not, it's not off. Let's be real guys it's not often that there's like new music like that right it's, you know it's like usually i mean I, I and understandably so i can't imagine how expensive it would be to write a new soundtrack for something you know something new like that so like the and especially if i'm traveling through sector space and i'm an earth space doc you know the music after 10 years can get a little repetitive so i've brought it down a little bit not all the way but enough and so yeah now i'm gonna have to bring up my um music levels so i can get the good headphones out everybody's <laughs> judging me now <laughs> no, no, no. I, it, it's true. There's been times that I've pl- I've put on a, a um, Spotify playlist of just like Star Trek soundtracks and played the game with that instead of our in-game music. Right, right, right. And it's like that for all for a lot of MMOs, you know. It's you know, yeah. Yeah. After 10 years, it can get a little repetitive. And, you know, it's not like you guys can make a new soundtrack for still every year, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> I will I will definitely truck it out. Uh, all right, why don't we talk about some giveaways? Since the release of Star Trek Online Legacy on January 28th, Cryptic and its partners have been offering goodies galore. Steel Series started with a Federation Elite Starter Pack key giveaway. Alienware followed up with Age of Discovery Starter Pack, Boff, and Poker Emote keys. And Star Trek Online has launched a Steel Series custom STO headset raffle, which also includes a Discovery Operations Pack. Should we be keeping our eye out for more, Mike? Well, always. Um, I think, you know, our um, the folks in marketing and uh, partnerships at PWE are very good about finding cool things to put together. And uh, yeah, there's more to come. We did a stream with Netgear last week, you know, the one that got me in trouble on Reddit. Uh, and uh, um, there's one thing coming up that I can't give details on, but I think is super cool. We're I'm waiting to see what the details are and how that giveaway is happening. Um, but yeah, there's always more and more stuff coming. We've also got some patch notes, and who better 
than to deliver us some patch notables than Mr. Mike Fatum himself. Go ahead, Mike. And the man who copies and pastes the patch notes onto the <laughs> internet <laughs> and then goes through them with a fine-toothed comb. Along with bugs and fixes this week on PC, Battle of the Binary Stars and Mycelial Realm have been added to the available TFO lists, with normal and advanced versions of Battle of the Binary Stars and the normal version of Mycelial Realm becoming eligible for random matching. On Tribble, the episode Measure of Morality Part 1 no longer rewards the Assault Squad Phaser Rifle, but instead now rewards Seven's dual Tetrion Rifles. The only true endgame, Space Barbie, also gets a boost, as the Borg exoskeletal frame has been made available for bridge officers in the tailor, and there are more hair options for Romulan female and Romulan male players, and Michael Burnham's short hair, tight curls raised, has been added as a free unlock to the tailor! Seven of Nine's hairs are also available in the game, and... Uh, uh, Get out of my head, because I was just about to <laughs> talk about that, because I love it so much. Like, all my characters now have Seven's hair. <laughs> the, the fact that they made that long hair available for male characters, too, made me so happy. Oh, I know. I have, like, Fabio on my, yeah. my KDF guy. <laughs> it's amazing. Actually, you know what? Are you guys going to retcon... Um, not retcon, but, like, remaster the... Voyager episodes that you guys did with her? No, um, and I'll tell you why. Uh, we had a discussion about this, and uh, you may have heard Al say something about this at STLV, because I think you were on stage when he said it, but basically, we look at our game like a Star Trek theme park or a permanent Star Trek convention, and we could go back and do a bunch of hand-wavy stuff and rewrite Seven's whole thing and get Jerry back in to record it all, but if you're somebody who's a big fan of Voyager and you want to go on an adventure with Seven of Nine as you knew her in the TV show Voyager, then we'd be cutting that out for you completely. So if now we've got it set so if you want to hang out with the Picard Voyager, you go and play with the Picard Seven of Nine, you go play uh, Measure of Morality. If you want to hang out with Seven of Nine as she was on Voyager, you'll go Go uh, play the Delta Rising missions. Um, and yes, it is a little bit of a continuity headache because Picard takes place before Delta Rising. So somehow someone has to explain how Seven went from Snarky Seven back to Borg Seven and then back to Snarky Seven again. But you'll figure it out. You're Star Trek fans. That's what you do. My immersion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, so before we leave Star Trek Online News, is there anything that we did not get a chance to ask? We do have one question in the chat that I kind of want to ask. You know, we've got the bundle, we have the two new missions, some rewards, the event ship, for instance. Did the team, have you guys thought about perhaps something for legit 10-year-old players? You know, people who have had the same account linked to their banks for for 10 years or, you know, things like that? Yes, Fair enough. All right. Well, there you go, Salaknar. There you go. Those, those emails are going back and forth. And actually, it was uh, Salaknar on Twitter who who inspired me to start those emails in the first place. So good job, bud. Well, there you go. Well, now, well now done, Mark. We have something to look forward to. That's exciting. That's really exciting. Well, Captains, that brings us to this week's first community question. After this discussion with Mr. Mike Fatum himself, Ambassador Kell... What excited you most from this discussion? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question posts on our social media channels like Facebook or Twitter. That's it for this week in gaming news. Now let's look on screen for the second episode of Star Trek Picard titled Maps and Legends. On screen. Computer. Set Star Trek Picard's episode Maps and Legends. On screen. 
We spend this episode with Picard continuing his investigation into Dodge, her past, her relationship with her twin sister Soji, and of course, why were the Romulans out to capture and assassinate her? It turns out, behind every secret organization, there is an even secreter one. The Romulan Jad Vash, the real clandestine organization for the Romulan civilization. With no regard for borders, the Jadvash have infiltrated every major power for thousands of years. Their mission, to stop the creation of synthetic life in the galaxy. Hoping to be granted temporary reinstatement into Starfleet to undertake this mission, Picard hits a dead end when an admiral denies his request. Emphatically. <laughs> With an F-bomb. <laughs> right? For real. Yeah, she did. Meanwhile, on the Borg reclamation site, we learn that Daj's sister, Soji, is part of a team of scientists liberating former drones of the Borg Collective. However, we learn her new lover, Narek, is more than just a secretive Romulan. He's an operative for the Romulan Jadvash. Will Picard find a ship and crew willing to undertake this mission? Does an 86 Chateau Picard pair well with steak? Do Liberated Borg get a care package with an analgesic cream? All right, let's talk about some of the touchstones that uh, we might have picked up on as keen-eyed Trekkies. Up first, anti-leptons, which were flooded in Daj's apartment to hide the murder were first used by Gol Jassad in DS9's The Emissary to disrupt subspace communications. Moving on, Dr. Benayoun refers to an issue in Picard's parietal lobe, which calls back to the series finale of TNG, his Eremotic Syndrome. And of course, they drop the name Stargazer. They both served on the Stargazer, and that was Picard's ship before the Enterprise. Dodge attended R3SA, Regulus 3 Science Academy, also mentioned in DS9, the episode Fascination, when young Jake Sisko's girlfriend goes off to college. And of course, Vasquez rocks, where Rafi lives, <laughs> and where Gorns live, and where every outdoor episode of Star Trek was ever filmed. And where the Power <laughs> Rangers fight the putties for the first time. And. <laughs> that, <laughs> yes, yes. Why don't we start with you, Kat? Why don't you tell us what you thought of the episode? I love the episode, except really there's a double secret Romulan organization that no one has heard of for thousands and thousands of years. Like, really? Well, no, it's see, everyone's heard about it. We've just never mentioned it on the air before in any Star Trek series oh, ever. Okay. <laughs> it's interesting because it, they, it did set it up that way, as if though it, it's not just a matter of, oh, you know, we've written something new, but that, yes, to, to Kat's point. Yeah. Yeah, really a thousand a thousand years of these people and you know, infiltrating the Gorn hegemony and the Klingon Empire and the Federation and it was never the Tal Shiar. The Tal Shiar was just just Puppet. it was Yeah. Puppets. Yeah. They were just, it's it's one of those facade. things that you run into when you're writing for something that has thousands and thousands of years not thousands and thousands, decades of, you know, written history. Cause, you know, anything new you add if you want it to be not brand new to the universe, you have to kind of say, you have to come up with some kind of weird explanation for why it fits. And yeah, we'll see if they do that or not. Yeah, that's the only thing I really had an issue with, was like, really? I can't believe like no one has ever, ever heard of this except for now. But, you know, I think the Tal Shiar would have been a big enough baddie, you know, in and of itself, because it's Romulan, but you just don't know that much about the Romulans, so maybe that's why. I think, you know, what bothered me about this even more specifically, too, was that for thousands of years, they've been monitoring artificial intelligence. This episode really sets it up as though their whole purpose is to stop artificial intelligence, which could very well be a 
purposeful misdirect in the writing, mm -hmm. right? That that's not really what they're all about. But that, I was like, wait, really? For thousands? But that, that would put Earth back in, you know, the early 1900s eight, or uh, 20th yeah. century, right? Or whatnot. I don't know. It's just, it's... it's. I think my headcanon is going to be, if they don't ever explain that away as something else, my headcanon is going to be that the John Vosh started as, like, focusing on removing the other from Romulan culture. You know, they were probably one of the first groups that oppressed mm -hmm. the Remans, for example. And then as artificial intelligence grew, they said, well, we're going to focus on that. I have a feeling we're going to find out right. there's, there's some unfortunate event in Romulan history that was caused by artificial intelligence. Absolutely. There had to be a reason for that. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, I love the episode. I love Laris and I can't remember his name. Yeah, Dang it. The other guy. I love him. I love the CSI Picard when they go to her apartment. <laughs> that was fantastic. That was so good. Yeah, I, I thought the episode was great. How about you, Mike? What did you think? I thought it was very interesting because it was almost kind of a filler episode. Like, we had the kind of inciting incident in episode one of, like, okay, we're meeting Dodge, where Picard needs to go on this quest. And then episode two was kind of the, like, all of the setup you would need to do to launch the quest, which I assume we're doing in episode three. So it could have been a really, like, boring episode, but I think because of, A, the writing was really good, and B... Like, there's just a lot of really interesting characters being acted really well. Uh, but you, you said her name, and I already forgot it, but his uh, Picard's Romulan friend, who is the... Laris. Laris, yeah, the CSI yeah. Romulan lady, is amazing. I love her. I, I love her whole character and how, like, take no crap from Picard she is. Like, it's like, I have deeply, deeply respect for this man, but also I know he's an old idiot. <laughs> so I, I love their relationship. I'm really interested to see where the show is going next. Had we seen Dr. Benayoun before? He looked super familiar, but he the actor has been in a bunch of stuff. Okay. And, you know, like sitcoms and TV shows. He was in comedies, movies. Was uh, he in Scrubs? Was he a doctor in Scrubs? Not like, no, not a regular doctor. No, no, no. But oh, um, he looked like that one guy, but okay. I guess that's not him. But we've never heard of this doctor. Okay. It really was reminiscent to me of the pilot episode of TOS with, between Pike and, and his doctor, right? Like that, it just felt very familiar like that. But the question in my mind was, where the f*** is Beverly Crusher? Where is Beverly Crusher? I mean, you know, it just, it, they go, it almost like they went out of their way this episode to not mention her. Well, it was one of those things that they, you know, for whatever reason, they clearly decided to not bring the whole TNG crew into the series so that it was Picard's show. I, I, actually, I'm guessing the reason is so that it was Picard's show, not TNG season eight. But then they had to, of course, write their way around it. You know, they had that scene where they were like, well, just call your old crew and go off into space with them. And Picard was like, no, I can't because reasons. R reasons, <laughs> right. Yeah, reasons they're all busy. That are very important. But yeah, I think that would have, you're right, that would have been a good place to stick Beverly. Right, right. But right. except for that yeah, problem Yeah, because she that... diagnosed it, right? The parietal lobe thing? Unless yes, he, that... the, he found it, unless that first doctor found it. The only reason I could think to not stick her there is because if Picard had said out loud to her, I need to be cleared for space travel, she would have said, why? And I'm coming. In that order. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I think that, yeah. I think he purposely didn't call her for that reason. Yeah. But it was definitely one of those, we're going to go out of our way to not say Beverly Crusher. Hopefully they're going to save it. And going back just a few moments, so Laris and Zaban is uh, the brother. Yes. There's a really interesting backstory to that, albeit short. 
very short in the IDW countdown series to Picard. So if you have not already picked up those three issues of Countdown for Picard to Picard uh, by IDW. I strongly recommend it. It's a good story. It's very short. And it's full of STO ships. <laughs> yeah, and it's full of STO ships, which is true. Yeah, so so be sure to check that out. We'll have links, of course, in our show notes. Can you even yeah, say I, the phrase, check it out normally anymore? Have you permanently reprogrammed your brain? I've permanently reprogrammed my brain to <laughs> so check it out. Yeah. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be in a meeting at work and I'll be like, let's check out. I mean, check out. <laughs> But that's okay, because my boss is a Trekkie. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I really like this episode. I thought the pacing was still was still really well done. Because, you know, Mike, you, you alluded to this earlier. It could have it could have really fallen flat. I mean, if, yeah. if you watch, I think of I think of a series like Walking Dead, where it's in serialized television, right? Where you have these strong, powerful episodes, and then four episodes of them picking berries. Yeah. Because they have to survive the apocalypse, right? And so it just gets so boring and slow and drawn out that it's hard to keep your attention. And then, but like, for instance, the folks at Walking Dead know exactly when to pull the carpet from under you after four episodes of picking berries, you know, like they just know when is enough time before people start going, I'm going to not watch this anymore to then kill someone off or, <laughs> you know, whatever. I thought Discovery suffered from this problem in, in, in both their seasons where it just couldn't maintain and figure out its pacing. Picard, however, were two episodes in. And I think that by comparison to these other series like like The Walking Dead or, or Game of Thrones or any other serialized television that you, you can watch now, the pacing is still not suffering those issues that a show like The Walking Dead might have faced. Yeah. Where it just slows to a crawl. Yeah, I mean, at least so far. And I, it doesn't seem like they'll be slowing down. I think Michael Chabon is really good at that kind of pacing stuff. So hopefully that'll that'll continue as the series goes on. The one thing that from this episode, not even that I didn't like it because I liked it, but the big reveal that her boyfriend was a uh, secret Romulan operative. Like the first time you saw him in episode one, they played the most sinister theme they played in the entire series. Yeah. That guy walked up. So I was like, oh, he's evil. OK. Right. <laughs> well, you could tell because he had the crazy yeah. eye. You knew he was a bad yeah. guy. I mean, well, I mean, I mean, hunky guys with beards in the new Star Trek are universally secret operatives for something. Except for, right. except for Spock. <laughs> oh my God! Yes. <laughs> or or all the or all the British guys playing a standard American accent. Yeah. <laughs> that too. That too. Yep. Jason Isaacs. No. Got it. Yeah. British. I got it. No, 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 no. Right. I got I was it. There with Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks. Guys. And Avenue Five. If you watched that. Yeah. Oh, I want to watch that. Oh yeah. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> So now something to, to take note for this particular episode, uh, and this was discussed further in Will Wheaton's Ready Room, is that the Borg reclamation site isn't necessarily a secret. Yeah. It's not a clandestine thing. It's It's been confirmed that there are, in fact, federate not just Romulan collaborators on there, but Federation collaborators. I mean, if you watch the episode, you see Andorians, you see mm -hmm. Vulcans, you see people from all sorts of species in the Federation collaborating to harvest technology and liberate Borg from the collective. Uh so, they actually mentioned in the YouTube video they made about the artifact, which is what they're calling it, the uh, that um, it was discovered in Romulan space, which is why Romulans are controlling the general like flow of everybody here and there. But they have opened it to scientists from everywhere. So like, it's, as long as yeah. you can pass the Romulan security checks and whatever, you're allowed to go and study the Borg there. Right. 
Hmm. That's interesting. I'm going to watch that yeah. after. They this. also said that the Romulans were developing or were taking the Borg implants and developing them into like military technology that they then sell, which had not been covered in the episode mm. yet. And I was like, oh, 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 no. Interesting. <laughs> Well, Captains, that's it for this review of Star Trek Picard's second episode titled Maps and Legends. Of course, our next community question is to find out what you thought about the show. Share your thoughts, opinions, and reviews of the episode on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community questions for this episode on our social media channels. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. It was another great week this week with wonderful conversations. Please keep them going, and we apologize if we can't get to you this particular week, but keep chatting with us, because I assure you, we'll get to you soon. He'll find you. He knows where you live. He'll get to you soon. I have a certain set of skills. (laughs) Those skills are podcasting, singing, and... (laughs) Our first community question for the week was, what do you think Guinan has been up to since Star Trek Nemesis? From Facebook, Kenneth Jacques says, My guess, she's been on another ship listening to another crew's stuff for a while. Maybe a space station. Make it Deep Space Nine, make it Deep Space Nine, make it Deep Space Nine. Sorry, continue. <laughs> yes, she was chilling on Deep Space yeah. Nine. And from Instagram, ChaiGirl86 says, she went back to her people, those that were left, to counsel them. Are there any left? I thought Q killed them all. I mean, according to Generations, there are just few and far okay. between. Because um, I thought the Borg got what's them. What's his name? That's right, it was the Borg. It's just no. in the Q episode where she's... Right, with her hands, like... With her, whatever. I've got spell <laughs> powers! <laughs> what is it? <laughs> On PriorityOnePodcast.com, Tyler Maxwell writes in, Guinan has to be like 500 years old by now, right? For some reason, I keep thinking of an older Guinan and Ro Laren in some sort of Grace and Frankie slash odd couple sitcom scenario. You know, they live in an apartment, Guinan is the free-spirited one, while Ro Laren is the uptight one, and then they get into a lot of shenanigans together. Plus, Guinan finally shows off what her rifle does on setting number two. Spoiler alert it cooks a mean steak <laughs> i would totally watch that show i would watch the heck really out of that show <laughs> like now that we've got so much star trek and people are starting to explore in other genres than just like morality plays in space there's totally room for a star trek sitcom let's let's do it let's just do it that's a good one i would watch that over Rike the rikers <laughs> I think I would watch that over the Rikers. Oh, man. The Rikers. Jamal Taylor on Facebook said, Guinan went to visit her kid, the one that wouldn't listen. Then she studied Romulan bartending for a bit, which helped the refugees adjust a little better. After that, either a bar on Bajor or maybe a Cardassia as they rebuilt from the Dominion War. What's Romulan bartending like, is my question. Is it where you, like, keep the drink secret from the person until until they drink it? Nobody knows. Guess what it is. Guess what it is. There's a 10% (laughs) chance that you're being served poison every time you go to a Romulan bar. (laughs) There are no Romulan bars. That's that's exactly why. That's why the one drink is just Romulan ale. You never hear of Romulan whiskey or Romulan scotch. It's all Romulan <laughs> Well, if Romulan ale. ale is illegal, I imagine Romulan whiskey like just blows a hole in the side of your starship. <laughs> I'd try that. <laughs> our second community question for the week was, did you enjoy the 10th anniversary episodes? Where do you think the Star Trek online story is going now? Oh, I know. Anyway. from uh, How meta for you to read this. <laughs> uh, 
Jan Patrick Onnen on Twitter says, I really liked the new episodes, but it was in caps. I had to do that. Ground combat was so hard. I died more than I can count, even though my ground equipment isn't bad. Throwing hundreds of Borg in our way to prolong the episode isn't fun. Um, I agree with that if you're fighting the Borg with rifles or pistols. But what you need to understand is they can't adapt to swords. I don't know how many times or, I can say this. Swords. Or the Zephyrin <laughs> shotgun. Or the Tommy gun. Yes, all of these or are the good Tommy options. Gun. But obviously, swords are the best option because swords. <laughs> so, uh, Jen Patrick, I had this exact same problem the first time I ran both missions. I do not invest very much time or, or effort into my ground combat abilities or gear or anything of that nature. To be honest, I was still running some Mark 12s even. Yeah, I was still running Mark 12s on all my on my bridge officers and even on my own character, the, the modules. Oh, God, that happens and the, to me all the time. Uh, the I'm like going through my bridge officers and I'm like, wait, why does this one still have like Mark 1 armor <laughs> yeah, like the default. yeah and i died yeah. <laughs> i died a lot that first time it was like frustrated because i i usually play the game on the second hardest level mm. so i forget what it is it's advanced, advanced. or is it normal I, we, we made this mistake last week so it's in advanced because i like a little bit of a challenge but boy did i die then i spent of course before you announced the upgrade weekend <laughs> time on upgrading my equipment to mark 15 and i don't personally for my game style i don't see the benefit of even getting it up to epic so if i get ultra rare or very rare great as long as it's mark 15 and once i did that once i got my one boss that i could take with me on this on these missions to mark 15 and the gear that i was wearing to mark 15 i had a much easier time playing the mission even in advance i i rolled so out i highly recommend i it. rolled out with the zenkefi minigun uh which is just great for mowing down tons of mobs it doesn't work for the borg obviously but that's why i had the emperor's sword i also found a lot of things that are like crowd control like kit powers, like the uh, agony field thing that mm -hmm. comes in on you are really good for those episodes. Um, but yeah, it's a little challenging, especially if you're playing on harder difficulties. Captain Wit9 on, on Twitch said, suggested about making it multiplayer, but I, I thought I saw our Vera or somebody mention that that is coming down the road or at least that it'll be two player at the very least. Uh, if he mentioned that, he didn't mention it to me and he probably didn't mention it to the designers. <laughs> so That's I don't know. The, yeah. I kind of want to find it. Now I want to find it because I could have yeah, sworn but, uh, I saw Elijah, how long have you been doing this show? You know that every third thing that comes out of Al's mouth That's... is just something that he thought of at that exact moment. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Touche. I mean, I'm not going to say that to his face, and I know he listens to the show. So hi, Al. He'll, he'll, he'll come by my desk and be like, what, what the heck was that? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, I love you, Al, because it's true, because I love Al. That's all right. I have I have a bone to pick with him. Him coming at me at Twitter about lockboxes. Oh, he came at you. Uh, well, it was about the 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 Phoenix Prize packs. Mm. Came at mm. me. Came at me, bro. Came at, came at me. Well, did you deserve it? No, no. I, don't, I cried about it. I don't know it. if that's true. <laughs> it's not. It's not at all. On PriorityOnePodcast.com, Tyler Maxwell wrote in, I liked them. It was a good homage to that one TOS episode and track morality plays in general, with a lot of great interaction between Seven of Nine and Michael Burnham, and a nice trip down memory lane with some key moments in Star Trek Online's history. Fighting alongside all the hero ships of the franchise was a definite squeeze 
moment as well. Besides the continuation of the Jaula disco-themed story arc and the eventual inclusion of Picard in Lower Decks derived content, I'm hoping for more STL-specific mission arcs, either new ones or a continuation of existing threads. Perhaps some more Gamma or Delta Quadrant set stories? Maybe a liberated Borg faction? <laughs> Mike, I'm asking a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> I've never heard a request for a liberated Borg faction before. It's brand new. Um, I know that, that the liberated Borg faction is something that's on Al's plate. I'm sure we'll get to it eventually. Um, in terms of continuing with STO stories, I think that's the goal from now on. Um, a the Age of Discovery expansion over time was our way of getting content set up so that when new fans showed up, uh, they could have new shiny Discovery stuff to play with immediately. Uh, now that that's done, um, Ja'ula's not going away because she's going to be our main baddie for a bit, but what she does for the future of Star Trek Online is going to be very much more focused on our games and our game story and our established characters. Well, that wraps up episode 447 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. As a matter of fact, we are now on iTunes as one master feed. So just do a search on iTunes for the Roddenberry Podcast Network. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters, like Diana Gunther, Darnell Dwayne Ross, David K. Rutley, Joshua Selig, and Peter Archibald. You see that, Captains? Just head on over to patreon.com forward slash priority one and you too could have your name read with such gusto and awesomeness captains it's important to us that you get your voice heard and you participate in the conversation leave us a comment on our website at priority one podcast.com on our facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast or find us on twitter and instagram at priority one pod don't miss a thing from the star trek multiverse catch our episodes every friday just open your favorite podcast app and run a search for Roddenberry. There you'll find us and our friends on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters and me and the Priority One Armada Saturday nights, the Armada broadcast live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of its amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all STO players, whether you are new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our community patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. But if you cannot make a financial contribution, that's okay because there's another important way you can support the show, and that's by sharing it with your friends. Whenever you see us post the episode, be sure to tell your fellow Trekkies that they can get the weekly roundup of news right here on Priority One. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. 
Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head on over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. A very special thanks to this week's guest host, Star Trek Online's community manager, Mike Ambassador Kale Fatum. As always, Mike, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show and guest host with us. It's a real pr- privilege to get some behind the scenes on what's happening in Star Trek Online, to catch up with you, and of course, to produce a show with you. So thank you so very much. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I love coming on the show and I love hanging out with you guys. It's a lot of fun. Awesome. And for just a reminder, why don't you tell everybody how they can follow you and when they can catch 10 Forward? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at Ambassador Kel. Um, that's K-A-E-L. Uh, and 10 Forward Weekly is every Wednesday night at 4 p.m. Pacific uh, on twitch.tv slash cryptic studios or on the Star Trek Online Facebook page or YouTube page. You can find both of those by Googling Star Trek Online. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, William, Brandon, Rand, Daniel, Roscoe, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, for assisting in the weekly production of this podcast. To associate producer, Shane Hoover, for helping us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Engage. So, sure, sure. sure, sure I, want you I want you to go into that room, and I want you to shit right down. Uh, well, the team from Kansas won. My dad's a 49ers fan. Mm. I watched Groundhog Day. Was it good? Oh, yeah. Good. <laughs> Don't drive angry. Don't drive angry. Don't drive angry. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Captains, as we mentioned, and as you've already heard, we're joined by none other than Star Trek Online's community manager, Mike <laughs> Ambassador Kale Fatum. You can Mike, do it, thank you again. Sorry, uh, now, you can do a better introduction than that. I'm gonna need some more stank on it. I'm gonna right, need a fine. list of list of fine. my accolades. Right, I'm go. gonna need. <laughs> All right, here we go. Podcast.roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.
Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 447 of Priority One. I'm Elijah. And I'm Kat. Captains, what better way to talk about Star Trek Online than with none other than the game's community manager, Mike, Ambassador Kale Fatum. Thank you again for joining us this week. Of course. Let's talk about the 10th anniversary, man. It's 10 years of Star Trek Online. It's been amazing. Um, The uh, response from the fans has been um, ecstatic, and I'm really happy to see it. I imagine the experience of watching The Next Generation with me is not the best experience because I talk through the whole thing because everything triggers a memory, end quote. That actually sounds like the best experience watching The Next Generation. Can can I have that experience, please? Right. Can we watch (laughs) with Will Wheaton? Yes, let's watch with him. Please. And of course, Vasquez rocks! Where Rafi lives. <laughs> and where Gorns live. And where every outdoor episode of Star Trek was ever filmed. And where the Power <laughs> Rangers fight the putties for the first time. 